Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to make sure you're aware of something cool that Vagrant's doing. Vagrant has 26 years on the street anniversary shows coming up. On May 28th at the Five Point Amphitheater in Irvine, California, they're going to have Dashboard Confessional, Alkaline Trio, Thrice, The Get Up Kids, Hot Rod Circuit, and The Anniversary. And on June 11th at the Palladium Outdoors in Worcester, Massachusetts, they're going to have Dashboard Confessional, Thrice, The Get Up Kids, Hot Rod Circuit, The Anniversary, and Monine. For tickets and more info, go to vagrant.com. Hello, I'm Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids, and this is Vagrant Records, 25 years on the streets, where we tell the oral history of the label by the artists, fans, and insiders. This episode, we talk with two groups who stand on their own at Vagrant, and that is Balance and Composure, as well as Murder by Death. Balance and Composure hailed from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and created one of the most unique blends of emo and indie rock of the 2010s. I talked to John Simmons from the group about their time at Vagrant. And as always, the other voice you'll hear in this conversation is super producer of this podcast, Jesse Cannon. So we're going to kind of talk about the, the sort of time period, because like it seems like things were going for you, and you had a, when the 2013, the record comes out on, on No Sleep, is that right? The things we think we're missing is on No Sleep? Our second record, The Things yeah. We Think We're Missing, came out on the 13th. Yeah, 2013. What was the decision going in to decide to leave No Sleep and to go to Vagrant? Well, we just wanted more people to hear us, and we wanted like better opportunities. And um, yeah, so Vagrant we felt like the best move at the time. And um, they, they had interest in us, and we loved their uh, I got back catalog of, of releases, obviously. We grew up on a lot of bands on Vagrant, so I feel like a no-brainer at the time. Going into it, did you think you were kind of like going into what turned out to be a different label than you thought it was going to be? Yeah, I thought they would uh, just had more push for distribution and um, promotion. Tell me about the... So the record you made for Vagrant's called Light We Made? Correct, yes. Who made that record? Who'd you work with? We worked with Will Yip. Oh, I know. I've met him. Yeah, he's he's great. We did our we did our two records with him. What's the name of the town that his studio's in? Conshohocken. Yeah, I just because I could never like we went to go to visit it because we had talked about working with him at one point and and I was just like I'm never gonna learn how to say this word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says. But it's a lovely town. Yeah, it seemed cool. Yeah, I love it there. Uh, and he seems like a a good dude and obviously a talented producer. So did you guys? So how far is that from from Philly proper? Like where you guys lived? It's like a twenty minute drive with no traffic. Oh, um, that's not bad. So you didn't have to like live out there. Yeah, exactly. That was a huge. A huge plus, you know, um, although I did miss like the sleepover camp kind of vibe of recording too. Did any of the guys in the band stay there while the record? Only if we got like drunk or something in, in town before, yeah. like the night before. Yeah. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> well, what was making that record like? Man, it was weird. Our drummer, like it was like he started writing most of the songs, like he had started off most of the ideas and that was uh, new. Like we, it was used to be pretty collaborative and it was like his, he, uh, he got kind of a controlling <laughs> I don't like it, but, uh, looking back on it, it feels like our, our most serious, like weird vibe as a band. Well, we broke up uh, a couple years later, so. Was he trying to like push the band in a certain direction? Yes. And he was kind of like uh, really uh, pushy with it, like wouldn't really hear other uh, ideas. But our, our goal was to have it be more of a chiller record compared to like our more aggressive stuff. Like no yelling was the goal. 
and have just melody dr- driven songs. I think we achieved that. I just don't know uh, if it was the funnest record to make. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you got someone who's, I mean, that would completely change the dynamic if you were writing like, you know, collaboratively before that point. Right. Yeah, it was still collaborative. Like he would start off and we would all finish. It's just um, he was just not he was very difficult, I feel like, with it. Is that what led to the band breaking up? I've never even talked about this ever before. But yes, it okay. is. you don't have to now. No, it's OK. It's it's like far gone. I haven't talked to him in like almost four years. Yeah, that is uh, has a lot to do with it. So you're making the record with Will. And this is like this this tent. Who, who we love, who's super fun to record with. Thank God for him, honestly. Because you did the record before with him, too, and things were more amicable than it sounds like you were totally. saying. Totally. Did he notice? Did Will notice that things were tense? I'm sure he did. I, I feel like they might have butted heads a lot behind the scenes. Yeah, he was definitely clearly more difficult and more hard on every, everybody and himself with this record around. But Will, Will was a trooper, and he he knows us. So um, we're just thankful we already had like a prior relationship with him. Yeah, that could have gotten could have gotten weird if it was a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've, we've all been in situations like that. I guess. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's weird when that happens. Um, did so this is this is all sorts of strange because it's kind of like I know I feel like bad that this isn't like a happy. No, no, no. It's it's unique. Like it's it's very like that's one of the things that we've noticed about everybody we've talked to is that everyone has their own kind of sort of unique experience here but this is one of the questions that i have is like did you guys acknowledge that this was getting awkward it was a really it was like the strangest we were so burnt out too at this point and uh it was kind of like the strangest we didn't talk about anything nothing was discussed you know what i mean it was just like everyone kind of just just focus on the work i felt like it was first time i felt like a job job so when you you finished the record are you were you were you all happy with it yeah um, okay. I definitely liked it at first. Like there's like songs that are mine, like that I felt like most attached to. Like I have my songs too. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it just felt like it was just a lot, a lot of, uh, passive aggressiveness and, uh, just uh, like an uptight, weird feeling in the air, but we were happy with it. Like we were just excited cause we made something that sounded different than what we normally sound like. So how was the, how was the reception to that? Cause that sounds, that sounds dangerous sometimes. <laughs> oh, you know? it's always dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you from well, we wanted this record to be like our stepping stone for the next the next thing we do. Like we just wanted to give like a, a peek, introduce some like electronics and stuff to show what we were going for, and we just never made another record. But I, I thought it was well received. I think people really liked it. It was very well received. Okay, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but well, you guys got much bigger, and I feel like you guys got a lot of credit a lot of other bands you guys in your scene were definitely getting much more credit from people for making a very big leap that a lot of the other bands were not doing okay cool i love i guess i never like heard i never like hear that perspective i just am self-conscious all the time about everything (laughs) for context i i managed and produced the two best friend bands of theirs so yes who's that man overboard in transit i've heard i've heard of both of those men yes we had a, a nice little click i got yes. we got to hang out with jesse when they were recording it was some of my favorite memories it was really fun i've been finding with like your generation of, of bands whenever i hear a new a band i've never heard of and i'm just like oh that's cool i like that and like are they from philly <laughs> it's just kind of <laughs> like it's like everybody's from philly yeah it's true it's a. Uh, it's really cool. It's inspiring. I felt like a, a super like like even though a lot of you guys are like significantly younger than me, I just feel I just kind of feel like like we played a festival in in England with a couple in a couple shows with Tiger's Jaw, 
and I'm just like, oh, I feel like I've known you guys for 20 years. <laughs> you know, yeah, like just, exactly. That's really cool. I love to hear that. that it, make, it, it makes me really, really happy because for a long time, I felt like the music industry was just in the in the kind of like early 2000s was just all about or the mid 2000s. It got into like just very corporate and very like not what I was into. So it was nice to hear when people were like, oh, yeah, we're, they're playing music because they like to play music, not because they're trying to get famous or something like that. Exactly. I guess I'm putting I'm putting that. <laughs> we, we, we grew up with Tiger. We know Tiger Shaw since we were in high school. Like we were playing shows with them forever. So it's like a, it's like a, it's very tight knit. I feel like I, I think that's good context and to blow more smoke up John's ass. It was like what I liked about this whole scene is all these kids. I was recording all those people who were haircuts and corporate bullshit, and then these kids came around, and I was like, oh, this is what I'm here for. And they really took it to a new level because they're. We're doing an honest emotion, and people started to see the contrast. It, it really kind of opened it opened my eyes to to a scene that I kind of thought was was dead because I thought it had gotten like too big and too much money was being thrown around, and people weren't doing it because they loved it. Um, but you know, as we talk to, if we do talk to some of those people, we'll, maybe we'll find out different. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, just trying to be diplomatic here. That's our next week. <laughs> We'll be diplomatic about this. So I think that that's really cool that like, it seemed like like when we were coming up, making a, a stylistic transition or trying to grow was kind of like, it was like kind of frowned upon a lot of the time. And yeah, even as a fan, we were like mad when you guys would uh, expose yourself to more people. Which was not right, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't you know, mean like, like keeping I your bands, you know. Well, you know I, that's that's one part of it too, and we've all I'm sure you guys had growing pains with it as well. But like even just like trying to you know expand yourself creatively, and and you know like whether or not people are like willing to let you do that. And it sounds like almost like the industry caught up to a more artist friendly perspective of being like, oh yeah, I understand these guys are trying to do new things, and that's a a positive thing like it's not just stuck in the you know the same three chords or whatever for lack of a better term but so i think that's really great so did you guys like you turn the record into vagrant they loved it they were great yeah like their their positivity like while we were making the record was was cool and they came to the studio and um they uh they made us feel really good they loved it they had an idea to take three songs and make a bonus ep oh that's cool yeah, so we didn't waste any songs. Like they liked all of the songs we had. We recorded like a, I don't know, like fourteen altogether. How many are on the record? Um, Is it 11, eleven on the record. Eleven, ten or okay. eleven. Wow, I don't even remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so they put the record out, and then was the plan to just like go on tour to promote it, or did you do like were they going to try and push it to radio or anything like that, or was it just yeah they were going to push yeah. to radio? They were going to really, really get behind it, and like they gave us the whole spiel, and uh, we were ready to go. Did that not? pan out the way you wanted it to i saw the the record charted if i'm reading this right yeah it did well we don't know what they did besides they got us on a playlist for spotify like a rock playlist and they posted about it on their instagram <laughs> <laughs> i'm waiting for more stuff that's what happened that's what it is so what what happened well uh the, this guy jeremy who signed us like really shortly after we released the record didn't tell us we didn't know he went to another label or another company he didn't tell you no and then we were just like, oh, and when nobody really reached out for a while. I don't think anyone ever really did until we were like, why <laughs> recently we were like, why aren't we getting paid for this album yet? So, so you basically had the kind of like well, when we've talked to some other people about like being on a major label and then having like the A&R guy get fired or like, you know, that I, the people I in that band's so. corner. But you had it at Vagrant. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I 
Dude, hate to share this sucks, story because our dream was to be on Patreon. We were very excited. I'm, man, I feel personally bad for you. Like I, I didn't have anything to do with it, but no, it's okay, man. We were not like if we, we didn't have internal issues, we would have you know shrugged that off. Yeah. So how long after the record comes out until the split? You guys, there's another record after this. After Light We Made? Well, that was the bonus EP that they suggested that we do. So those are three extra tracks that they wanted, which I didn't know if I agreed with. I don't know if I do. Because I wanted them to be on Light We Made. Oh, okay. Because I feel like they were very, very strong songs. And they are. People really like the EP, too. So I mean, those are like more of my babies are like melodically wise. So I don't know. So we did the EP. People like that too, though. So I can't complain. Do you think that's why they wanted them to be on a separate EP? Because it was more, like you said, your babies? No, I just think they were more guitar, the, I guess, cohesive they were going for. And that came out after the album came out. So it's like one of the things that we kind of like ask people, and this is like kind of like what was going through your, your mind during this time, but it, it sounds like you guys were not getting along <laughs> well yeah there's other stuff i can't speak for the other guys in the studio and like how they felt about being in the studio but that's how i felt i just felt like this fun was sucked out of it a little bit making that record were you guys having fun on tour i always had fun on tour i really liked touring and playing shows i don't think the other guys were no they were pretty burnt out because when did you guys start playing together uh, we've been playing together since like senior year of high school and junior oh, year wow. for a couple of guys so we were we were, we were a band by like like Eight years at that point. Mm-hmm. And you guys were always on the road. Yeah, basically. Or recording. So we were just like, we were de- I felt like we were definitely fried. Whenever I look back, I'm like, Jesus. Like, I didn't, it's like, I don't know if my heart was totally in it. Maybe because I wasn't vibing with our drummer. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm so I'm, sorry about the no, negative No, 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 no. I'm trying to think of what to I'm ask. I'm a fun guy, I promise. I can vouch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Because I, I want to ask more about, like, what happened with the, with the label. It's like, it's this, like, perfect storm of, like, you guys were burnout. You were having internal conflict. The label just completely dropped the ball. And yet it seems like you guys still were able to maintain. Like you got bigger and bigger during that time. Yeah, we period, did two right? tours, maybe three. So why don't we talk about those tours a little bit? Okay. Uh, we did our headliner with. Are you looking at a tour poster? Yeah. Or like a laminate I have posted on a bull- mm-hmm. bulletin board. We did our headliner with Foxing and Mercury Girls, which was a Philly band, a cool Philly band. And that was really really great like i loved loved that tour we had like a light show we had production dude we were oh wow so were you doing like theaters no i wouldn't say theaters we but we we just had like a cool light show we were excited about okay (laughs) light shows light shows a big step it was successful i think some of the guys didn't some like maybe a couple of the guys didn't think uh there was much growth from our last tour but i thought it was pretty clear that we were uh having like more people come out to shows just like certain cities did bad that we Uh weren't expecting that just happens sometimes i feel like yeah and there's other shows and going on and well yeah you never know if you're going to be like competing exactly on the same night with you know yeah but I love that tour and um then we did, then that's when right after that is when like two of the guys stopped touring with us oh so we had to get some fill-ins for some like B market tours and we went to Australia as well oh nice because it looks like what is UNFD what is that label it's an Australian record label okay unified i think they're pretty cool they're cool yeah they're cool do you guys ever make it over to europe um we had plans to but we had uh basically broken up but not like officially because was it all the same original members since you basically were in high yeah we had an ep and then we had a we swapped out a guitarist we had three guitarists and the same bassist and drummer for like nine years so was it weird bringing in totally weird they were great everyone who filled in was great no, it's it was probably just, nothing about them yeah 
It, it was just just very strange. Did it make it feel? I mean, you were saying that even like making the record felt more like a job. I assume that that it's a little bit more like okay, we need to do this, you know, to keep the ball rolling. So we got to bring in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, I, yeah. That those stores definitely felt like a job, and like we had like employ- more like people working for us. It was just it was. Yeah. What were the other? So you went to Australia, and then you said there was. What was the other tour that you did? Oh, we did a B market tour with um, from Indian Lake mm-hmm. and this band from Indian Lakes is great. Have you heard of them? Fantastic. And uh, I've heard this, of them. I have not heard them. And another Philly band, Queen of Jeans, who are really really great as well. So how does it like when as far as like ending that like you ending that kind of tour cycle? Had you decided that was going to be it? Of, for the band? Basically, but there's kind of like one nail in the coffin. Can you talk about that? Um, basically, somebody stole a lot of money over a course of a year. So Someone who you someone, worked with or worked for you? Maybe I mentioned them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who it could be. So, yeah. And then, yeah, that left a really bad taste in everybody's mouth. So we did, uh, we took some time and then we decided we wanted to do some last shows. So last, uh, two years ago... Man, I keep forgetting last year did not count as a year. <laughs> 2019, we did like nine nine final shows with a replaced member. The, the person who stole the money was not doing those shows? No, no. Hasn't okay. said a word to us since, really. Ugh, that sucks. I'm sorry. It's okay, man. It's life. People people uh, got schemes. I may be analyzing this too much, but I I felt like that was a particular period of the music business that the compensation was so bad and there was so much of that going. I mean, John, you obviously like a bunch of our friends' beds lost members for the same thing. And uh, in my 20 something years of doing this, like I felt like that era was a plague and it was like also that thing of like royalties hadn't come. There wasn't as much people at streaming yet. And like Mm -hmm. it really made people way more desperate. When are you talking about? Like what years are you talking about? I'd say 12 to like 16, 17, you know, and also just like the amount of people I saw there are like, I can't hack this. The t- touring pays too terrible. That period I think was way worse. I mean, it's funny because now it seems like 3000 years ago, but you're right. I just don't <laughs> think that I just don't think that he needed the help. Uh, well, that's a different story. <laughs> yes, I agree. Or whoever I'm talking about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the thrill was gone. You never thought like, oh, let's just carry on with someone else. Oh, I do. So badly. I, I would still do it. I'm just giving, like, I, I feel like the guys might want to do it one day, but they're all like, you know, married. I'm the only single guy. Like, I don't have a family. You know, like they're trying to have kids. They're trying to, they're trying to do their thing. I think one day they're going to want to do something again. One, but we'll see. Just without this uh, person you have. Mentioned. Oh yeah. He's not invited. <laughs> I first met Murder by Death on a New Amsterdam's tour in 2003. Their blend of gothic rock and dark country makes them one of the most unique and interesting bands I've ever heard. I was excited to hear that they had signed to Vagrant in 2008. I spoke to singer and guitarist Adam Turla about that time. So we're just going to like chat briefly about uh, your guys' uh, tenure and working with Vagrant records because that's what so how do you come to work with them because you, you guys started working with them in 2008 is that right yeah i think you know i think we had talked with them a little bit earlier with putting out maybe the album before that which is called in boca lupo and i think it just didn't come together and i don't i don't remember why and so we did this like we were really focused on doing our own thing 
and just trying to like being kind of like a unique band it was really hard for us to find a place because we didn't really fit into any like scene or genre specifically and we, we've always jumped around and played with like all kinds of bands and so finding a label was just not there wasn't just like an obvious choice and so we ended up putting out our own that record like sort of on our own but through this like warner program that was the east west thing right exactly and so we did that and like our friends lucero were doing it at the same time so we were like yeah we'll try that and then so we ended up doing that record that way and it was like fine but also we had sort of at that point had so many people saying like you guys are gonna be huge and we didn't really believe them but like we weren't and so we started talking with vagrant again for our album red of tooth and claw and you know they they seemed into it and um we worked out you know like a two record thing and it was definitely it's you know to this date it's probably still the the biggest label we've worked with and i do think that you know even though we didn't like blow up or anything i think that there were some opportunities that came out of that association that wouldn't have happened if we had just done our own thing and um you know or you know stuck with the east west thing or whatever um because we were sort of just on our own with our resources and resource management uh and vagrant like you know, they got us some good publicity and, you know, definitely got bunched in with some, you know, groups that uh, were successful. So, yeah, that's how it started. Did uh, one of the things that's been coming up a lot is people talking about when as compared to their experiences on other labels. I don't know if you guys had this at East, East West or not, but that Vagrant was really good about just letting bands be themselves and kind of like never like just sort of going like we like what you do. Keep doing it. Kind of, was that your experience with them? Yeah, we've always kind of, I think anybody who's willing to work with us has to make that concede. Do that. <laughs> yeah. And I remember talking to like other AR agents who basically were like, yeah, like you guys, like we wouldn't, you know, saying stuff like we wouldn't know how to push you into a, a box really, because that's just like not what you do. And, and so that was, it's a blessing and a curse for sure. And um, Vagrant though was, was that way. And you know what, like in the, in, in the, in the positive in that, for example, like we, we started doing a seven inch series uh, while we were signed to Vagrant where we would flip covers with friends bands and, you know, they were just like, yeah, go for it. You know, you're going to put out a thousand seven inch records. It's fine. It's fine. And they let us, you know, we, we have always maintained uh, all our vinyl rights from the beginning and they they wanted to put out the vinyl because it was starting to trend around then but they let us keep them and you know that was for us you know that that was a condition that like if we had given that up then or if they had really fought us on it i think it could have changed our trajectory in a lot of ways that might have been harmful and the fact that they allowed us uh to have that freedom to do these like little releases that we were doing on our own in the vinyl i think ultimately benefited us a lot as a band and like you got to you got to give credit when somebody has uh you know trusted you to to know what's best for your band sometimes so what was the reaction to reddit of tooth and claw when it came out you know it was kind of a it was an interesting one because i remember when it came out we started our band in 2000 and we started really young we were like 18 years old um and we had we hit the ground running in like in 2003, we just, 2003, 2004 is when I met you, 2003, actually. 2003, yeah. We were doing like over 200 shows a year and on the road for like 280. So we just worked and worked and worked and worked, you know, $100 a show, just just really grinding it the old fashioned way. And um, it, it became this like, 
at, at that point in our career, we felt like we were so seasoned, even though we were still quite young. And um, I think with with Vagrant, it was like uh, we wanted we we had already done three full lengths and Red of Tooth and Claw at that point, you know, your, your fourth full length, you're you're exploring your sound because you've already established it to some extent. And we had lost a keyboard player uh, after two albums and we were down to just four people. And I remember I wanted to just do like a rock record. And this is our most just like straightforward, like 35 minutes, just kind of like sort of Western kind of vibe. And I think the reaction was some people were like put off that it was a little less like arty than some of our other stuff. And but we also won a ton of new fans for, for that record. After about a year, it got we realized, oh, the people love this record. Like and it re- it took them a minute, but it, it still remains one of those records that people uh, listen to a lot. And it's also the record that got the most like placements in like TV you know movies and that kind of stuff um that there was a lot of use uh sync use and so it was kind of cool in in that regard that like it sort of entered the cultural consciousness in a way that uh other records haven't what's your guys's headspace going into the second record on vagrant because you guys just had a two record deal with them right that's right yeah so yeah it was kind of funny because like i think we started to get really things started to change over the course of that record like i remember doing a tour in like october 2008 and walking around the streets of New Orleans and just being so tired of being on tour and really hitting like my first major tour wall and thinking like, man, maybe this just isn't working out. And then like four months later on a tour being like, whoa, something changed. Like we're just so broke at the time. We were always broke. And even though there were lots of like, you know, we were a cult band and there were fans and everything. Something did change when people like got time to listen to that record and digest it. And I think um, some of the reach from, you know, having a bigger label than we'd worked with before uh, just got us like that extra like 50 to 100 fans or whatever a night that pushed it into something that made more sense. Um, So going into our second record, it was kind of funny because it was like we were both at the same time growing but also trying to sort of like strip things down and just like find like a workable. We, we started to realize we were like career musicians, which, you know, you never know if that's happening or not. I mean, we always just thought they're going to stop caring. Eventually we're going to put out a record and they don't like it. And nobody shows up to the gigs. And like, we were very aware. We've seen it. We've seen it happen to so many people that were great bands where they just kind of dry up and, you know, the, the band could be as good as ever, but like, the audience just isn't there or the money's not there. And we kept waiting for that to happen. I think we were like sort of expecting that, but instead we just kind of, we started figuring out how to just do things smarter and more manageable and try to make our lives a little more like, I don't know, just like, oh, this is, we're going to be doing this for a while if we still want to. And was that like, was Vagrant cool? Like, did you have like a conversation with them about that at the time? Or was it just an internal band decision? I think it was just something I'm reflecting on, you know, now. And like, when I look back at that time period, you know, they were just like, yeah, put out your record, do your thing, you know? And (laughs) it was funny because the, you know, the record industry and you, you know, all about this, it's changed so much over the time that we've been musicians and 2008, 2010 were when those records came out. And I mean, that was that weird sort of in between where it's like, okay, well, some people are still buying CDs, but not really, not like they used to with like our second record in 2003. So then you're like, oh, people are buying albums online or they're just downloading everything for free. 
it was this sort of transitional period. And I think it was hard for bands and labels because there wasn't just like an obvious uh, way to like, well, it was that period where bands basically learned like, oh, I have to hit the road to make money because now they're charging more for tickets or whatever. And so I think everybody was just kind of like stumbling their way, trying to continue to do what they wanted to do during that period as technology changed everything about it. And there's also the the period where social media, you know, it's I, I think like we got our Facebook page like in like 2009 or 10 or something, you know, like during like while we were signed to Vagrant, that was like when social media suddenly entered our lives. So it was a it was a really like different time. I personally, I always look to your band in a sense of like, you seem to have done a really good job. And I think it was maybe during this time period that maybe you kind of started to figure it out of like kind of going, okay, we have this hardcore group of like really dedicated fans and we should not cater to them, but like we, we, we should still just be us, but it's like, oh, let's, you know, make something that's really cool and limited. A hundred people would pay a premium for as opposed to trying to be like, we're going to be on the radio and we're going to, is that around the same time that you started doing the uh, Estes shows? Just about. Yeah. So like, do you know about this, Jesse? I actually don't. So we do. Yeah. We do a, sh- a series of shows at the the shining hotel, the Stanley hotel in, in uh, Estes park, Colorado. Half of the Lawrence music industry leaves town for a week to go to this thing. <laughs> every really year. Yeah. We do five nights there every January and we've done it for like, eight years, I guess. So is this the first year you have been able to do it? Yeah, we've postponed it though. We, we are doing it this this year later in the year. And then we're going to like just do it again, like five, six months later or something. It's, uh, it's I haven't ever been, but I've always wanted to go. It's like everyone's getting dressed up. It's like, a, it's like a cotillion. <laughs> it just looks so fun. It's a party. Yeah. So like that's, yeah. I mean, basically we started, so, you know, like People talk about how like you learn more from failures than successes. And that's absolutely the story of this band is that like we, you know, it's like we, there's so many challenges that we've had from that are sort of like these small things that don't seem like a big deal, but then eventually led us to making choices that were like beneficial to us in the end. And like, for one, I mean, you know, you're from Lawrence, like we're from Bloomington, Indiana, very similar small college town in a, you know, sort of like a state with a lot of corn, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) and so like there's certain limitations living in a small place. Like, you know, we're, we're not getting that, you know, gig that we do once or twice a year that pays like crazy money and subsidizes everything else. We just don't have like, there's not like some, you know, just like coffer that's being filled up that keeps you going. You basically just had to go out and earn your money elsewhere and bring it back where you could live cheaply. And that, that was for a long time, that was like our challenge. And then later it was um, getting to a certain size, but having trouble getting over like the lip. And what we finally started to realize was like, okay, well, we own our vinyl rights. Well, I guess we'll just put out, maybe I'll just do whatever I want because there's less overhead. So we do like a special, okay, we're only doing 2000 copies of this one. And it's going to be really cool because I'm, I've cut out all these middlemen. Like I do our mail order. It's me and my friend uh, package every order and we sell a ton of mail order because people know that it's going right to us. And yeah, you know, you we, guys, just, like, we can throw in gimmicky stuff like, like doodads, like I'll throw in like comic book I just read or something and just like include it in someone's package. It ends up all being the stuff that we never, we weren't thinking about at the time. It was never planned, but ultimately it kind of just like connects you with the fans and, um, and you're endeared to each other. Like I recognize names, you know, from, oh my God, I've sent this person so much stuff over the years. And you, you just have this deeper connection 
And so the Stanley Hotel emerged from, I just wanted to do a crazy concept show. And then we started doing like more and more of those things because honestly, they're fun and people love them. Again, it's like, we're doing the ticketing, you know, we're, we're, we're in charge of it. And it just makes it a very hands-on. I mean, everything we do is like, we're basically like accidentally like an incredibly DIY band. And uh, we never like call ourselves that or set out to do that. But it ended up just being like, okay, well, I don't know who's going to like, we don't, we don't have anybody to put this out. I guess we'll just do it. Or like, you know, we, we put out a Christmas record this year as a pivot move with the pandemic. We didn't even talk about shopping it to a label. We're like, well, we already have the audience. Like I just send an email to everybody and done put a couple Facebook posts up and like, you know, it'll sell great. And it's, there's just, we, we've accidentally cut out all these people in this weird way that we're, and, and then it allows us to employ so many like artists and creative types to do, you know, to, to guest on the records, to do the art, to, you know, do tour posters and special, you know, videotapings. And we just end up hiring all these like in-house people. And it's kind of wild because like did not have a bad experience at all with Vagrant. But with the changing conditions and everything, after that record, we sort of started doing more stuff on our own. And maybe it was because they granted us some freedom. You know, we got comfortable handling a few things ourselves because they let us. So was we the different way, you know, I mean, it could have been we could have worked with a label that was really controlling. and We might never have learned that there was an opportunity for us. The so was the 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 leaving of Vagrant. Was that an amicable Oh thing? yeah, it was yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, I think we were both just like, "Cool, thanks, Scott." You know, <laughs> like there's nothing <laughs> later. <laughs> I mean, like, there's certain stuff that, like, you know, I mean, like, do I wish the royalty rate was higher? Every time, <laughs> every label, always. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It's, like, it's like yes, but I mean, obviously, it's like I'm trying to take care of my bandmates, and to some extent, I feel responsible because, like, I guess I'm I'm the guy who's in charge of that stuff, so I want to make sure that everybody gets the best opportunities, but like. There was no, uh, you know, there was, we never like fought with anybody. We never like, there was no negativity. Everybody just, you know, worked and you know, we worked the records. They come out to the shows. I had, I had very positive relationships. Any good stories for the recording of those records? Yeah. So uh, Good Morning Magpie was actually, we recorded it at home in Bloomington, Indiana, because we had never made a record there. Um, and wanted to do one. And we did that one with our friend, Jake Belser. And um, we just kind of hold up for the month of December before Christmas and worked it out a little more like in the studio. We had, we had stuff prepared, but we kind of decided all the production stuff there and all the details. It was a really like relaxed setting compared to Red of Tooth and Claw, which was probably our, that was, well, definitely like our biggest, like fanciest recording experience, so to speak. We did that one in Franklin, Tennessee at a place called uh, Dark Horse Studios, which was like, gorgeous it looks like a giant birdhouse architecturally strange and the perfect vibe for the band and we recorded with this amazing producer uh trina shoemaker she also mixed good morning magpie and she she's just like a really really smart producer and engineer and um they basically really wanted her to work at that studio and so little murder by death got to like kind of stretch our legs in a nicer setting than we were, were used to because of the association with her. The story that I want to tell about her is just like, I was calling around all these different producers um, and like 
people that we were talking about working with. There were some really cool people that we had potentially could have done that record. And that, you know, I'm always curious what that would have sounded like too. But um, Trina got me and I was like, you are hired when she said she was describing somebody like a person that she had worked with uh, in the music industry. And she's like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to exert too much control. I don't want to always be the person putting my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I was like, well, you're hired just because it was just, it was like the sense of humor and the, the vibe. And like, she also called us and she's like, yeah, you guys kind of sound like you come from like a, I think she she said, you sound like you're doing like Gun Club meets Tom Waits and Nick Cave. That was the cool description. I had never like gotten there because, you know, we're just doing our thing. And I was like, yeah, OK, thank you. <laughs> like, but she just knew what we were trying to do and uh, and she knew how to execute it. That's it for this episode of Vagrant Records, 25 years on the streets. We still have many more episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it on iTunes. This podcast was produced by Jesse Cannon for Muse Formation and executive produced by Fred Feldman and Andrew Ellis. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode. <laughs>